Hello everyone, and welcome to Refinery Life Australia. I'm Gary Hoban, and I'm the Senior Pastor and Lead Elder of Refinery Life Church on the Gold Coast. If you're on the Gold Coast, come and join us as we meet together and we share in the Word of our Lord. We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 222 Turpin Road, Labrador. And more details are available on our website, which is www.refinerylife.org. And today we're continuing our series titled The Doctrine of God. We're going to be talking about the call of God. The text we're concentrating on is 1 Samuel 3.10. It says, Then the Lord came and stood and called, as at the previous times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant is listening. And then the scriptures we'll work through today are 1 Samuel 3. 1 through to 14, and I think we'll read it together. It's an important, powerful piece of scripture. It talks about the prophetic call to Samuel. It says, Now the boy Samuel was attending to the service of the Lord under the supervision of Eli. The word of the Lord was rare and precious in those days. Visions, that is, like new revelations of divine truth, were not widespread. Yet it happened at the time as Eli was lying down in his own place. And his eyesight had begun to grow dim, and he could not see well. And the oil lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. That the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. In verse 6 it says, Then the Lord called again, Samuel. So Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli answered, I did not call my son, lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know or personally experience the Lord. And the word of the Lord was not yet revealed directly to him. So the Lord called Samuel a third time and he stood and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli understood that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be that if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went to lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called, as at the previous time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant is listening. Verse 11. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which both ears of everyone who hears it will ring. On that day I will carry out against Eli everything that I have spoken concerning his house, his family, from beginning to end. Now I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever, for the sinful behavior which he knew was happening, because his sons were bringing a curse on themselves. They were dishonoring and blaspheming God, and he did not rebuke them. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli, that the sinful behavior of Eli's house shall be shall sorry shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Wow. Can you see yourself in there somewhere perhaps? Awakened from sleep, the boy Samuel heard someone calling his name. Thinking the aged priest Eli had called, Samuel ran quickly to his bedside, but Eli had not called. After the third time it happened, Eli realized that the voice must have been the voice of the Lord. 
He told the boy to listen well. And if the voice came again, say, speak for your servant is listening. When the voice came a fourth time, Samuel did as he had been instructed. The message he received from God was not a pleasant one. Eli's blasphemous sons were about to be punished. And so was Eli because he had not restrained them. This ancient story reflects a simpler view than ours when it comes to life. But God still speaks to people. God calls us even now. Let's look at several pointed questions here today. First one is, when does God call? God calls when our hearts are impressionable and tender. This is true at the time of childhood, especially when a child has been nurtured in the things of God. This was true of the boy Samuel, who had never known anything else. This is true in a time of sickness, which teaches us our weaknesses and our dependence on God. It's true in a time of sorrow, for sorrow is one of God's great ministers. And it's true in a time of disappointment and defeat. And God calls when we have reached the end of our rope. And we know we have. It has been truly said our extremity is God's opportunity. And God calls when we seek his face. The first tenet of biblical religion is that God, not us, took the initiative to bring about our salvation. Yet everywhere the Bible encourages us to approach God, to call on his name and to seek his face. Those who seek God's face will hear God's call in their souls. Daniel 10, 12 says, Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to your words. Maybe if you're not hearing from God, you should dwell on that verse for a while. Second question we need to ask ourselves today is why does God call? God calls to offer salvation for our sins. Our sins. Christians are referred to in the New Testament as the called in Romans 8.28. And we find phrases like the called of Jesus Christ in Romans 2.6. The called according to his purpose in Romans 8.28 and the called to be saints in 1 Corinthians 1.2. The meaning of all this is that God took the initiative in our salvation. We are to call on the name of the Lord because he first called us. And God calls us to judge us. God's call often comes as his response to human wickedness, to announce his judgment. When God called Samuel in the night, he gave him a message of judgment on Eli and his house. We do, sorry, do we think God will be soft and sentimental about our sins? Like some doting earthly parent and fail to judge us because of our sins? It's not so. His judgments are sure. And God calls to humble us to remind us of his sovereignty. The moral foundations of this universe rest on this inflexible fact. A silent power, rigorous and sure, works certain retribution and reward, as the case may be. Let us not think the sovereignty of God will be set aside just because we may not believe in it. 
there's parts of the Bible you don't believe in, doesn't mean they're going to be set aside. Sin is still sin. The nature of this universe does not change to suit our whims. God is in charge whether we realize it or not. And things are not slipping out of his hands. And God calls to enlist us in service and to assign us tasks. God commissions certain people to act as his prophets. Certain people, not everyone. But God's call to enlistment does not come only to a high level of the prophets. He also calls ordinary people like you and me into his service to do ordinary tasks and sometimes extraordinary tasks. For God has called us to serve him. If God has assigned you some task, that job may get done without you. But your failure to enlist will spoil his plan for you. For nobody else can do what God has intended for you to do. So the job might get done, but his plan for you will be spoiled. And thirdly, who does God call? God calls nations and leaders of nations. There is no better illustration of the fact of God's sovereign rule in history than references to Cyrus, the king of Persia. In Isaiah 44-45, Israel is in captivity, but their captors, the Babylonians, have fallen before Cyrus and the rising Persian Empire. It is God's purpose, we learn here, that to use Cyrus as an instrument to restore the Jews to their own land. But even referred to Cyrus, he even referred to Cyrus as my anointed. And God calls churches to do his will. Acts 13.2 says, While they were serving the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, who was Paul, for the work to which I have called them. This call came to a church. God calls individuals to do his will. In his call, God's point of contact is always the individual. There is no other door, there's no other way. Nations, parliaments, institutions and churches are all made up of individuals. If God knocks at their doors, he must knock at the door of individual hearts. When he has something he wants done, he calls an individual. And fourthly, where does God call? God calls us where we are. God called Paul on the road to Damascus as he neared the city. He called Isaiah in the temple as he pondered the nation's sad predicament that was brought on by King Isaiah's death. God calls us in the course of our daily work. He called Amos from following the flock and Elijah from following the plough. And God calls us even when we are trying to run away. Elijah lost heart and left his post of duty, but God found him in a cave on Mount Horeb and asked, What are you doing here, Elijah? God called Jonah who fled from his call, but God's voice found him and brought him back to his task. We may try to hide from God, but we cannot escape him. And what responses does God receive when he calls? Think of yourself in this one. Every person must answer for themselves. The first one is we may ignore his call. Through conscience, God's call is constantly breaking in, calling us to follow him, to serve him, to honor him, to worship him. And we so often ignore him. We may reject his call. Some do so deliberately, stubbornly. 
Others do so painfully and sorrowfully, but the result is the same. The rich young ruler who came to Jesus considered Jesus' terms of discipleship, and he rejected them. So we read that he went away sorrowful. Nevertheless, he went away. Or we may accept God's call. We may say yes to him. The towering mountain peaks in the history of Revelation have been those who have heard God's voice saying, as in Isaiah 6, 8, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. Let me make this matter very personal. Let me leave you at the very doorstep. Christian friend, God is calling you as an individual. What will you do about it? What will your response be? And to our unsaved friend, God is calling you. God is calling now. Don't turn him away. Instead, hear his voice and respond to him. Will you do it? I want to encourage you, as I do every week, to be diligent with your Bible study time. Because God is a redeemer. He's got so much more for us that we can get from going to church once or twice a week. When you spend time with him, your life will change in amazing ways. Because he is a redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for him and he can make you whole, spirit, soul and body if you will let him. And you're important to God, you know that already, but you're also important to us at the refinery. When it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And until next time... Stay in the blessings.